you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, your host as always, and I've got regular person James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist, alongside me. We've promised you some special episodes of this podcast over the course of this season, and we thought we'll kick it off with a bang, because we are joined by the Luton Town Football Club chairman, David Wilkinson. Wilco, thanks very much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you. Um, before we talk about all things 2020 club and everything else, you've been a fan of this club for a long, long, long time. Just tell everyone uh, that's listening sort of your experiences as a fan through many, many decades of being a Luton fan. Wow. Okay. Um, I was, uh, my first game was 1958, West Ham, September 58, West Ham at home, strangely enough, after the other day. We won 4-1, which we didn't the other day. Um, and uh, it was, it hooked me from that. Was I bought by an uncle. My parents were never interested in football at all. So an uncle brought me along, sat in the main stand with him. And after that game, in those days, you could, you know, kids could, you know, get on a bus on, them, on their own and wander around on their own. And after that first game, I just turned up for games by myself. I bought a satchel along and a sandwiches and a, Couple of cup of coffee and my mum had made, of course, and uh, got the three two one bus from Hartenden to Park Square. Walked from Park Square to the ground. Used to stand around the uh, Kenny end because that's where the players would come in those days and and uh, collect autographs. I've still got a few, um, and that was my beginning at the club. And uh, in those that first couple of years, of course, we were in. After that game against West Ham, which we won, we were third, I think it is. Roger Walsh would have put me right, but I think we were third in the old first division. It didn't stay that way, but it was <laughs> it was four games in. Uh, and then, um, of course, we were in the cup final that year, which we lost. And from there on in, the next 10 years was downhill. We had some great time. We had some great players. We had some history. I think it was the early 60s when... Um, uh, I was at the, uh, the Man City Cup game when Dennis Law scored seven goals and uh, I played truant to go to the replay on a Wednesday afternoon and got beaten when I went back to school the next day, which used, used to happen <laughs> in those days, but it was worth it. Um, all sorts of experiences in, in the 60s uh, and, of course, towards the end, and some of my favourite players were in the 60s when Graham French, John O'Rourke, I don't know why, but he, he, I think he's got our goals per game record. I don't know if he still holds it or not, but I think he does. He was a superb player to watch. He was a Kevin Phillips-type striker. Really good. Best heading goal I've ever seen. He, he went up on the edge of the area, and literally it was like a bullet in a, in a, in a I can't describe it, in a straight line from his head to the top of the net from the edge of the area, just like a rocket. It was extraordinary. And I still remember it this day. I still remember Graham French's uh, goal against Mansfield, but I think the whole world saw that. <laughs> but uh, there were only about 6,000 there at the time. Um, and then uh, 
because it goes through and then we, we started to, uh, towards the end of the 60s, we got a good team together and we got promotion and then we had people like uh, Malcolm McDonald in the early 70s who was great to watch and um, we had, you know, the players, that, that, that sort of endless. Um, and really it was, it was, uh, I, it just, it just follows on and um uh, uh, when I had, um, when my kids came, of course, I wasn't allowed to go quite so often, as happens to people, <laughs> I think. So I missed quite a bit of the of the sort of late 70s, early 80s. Um, and then I sort of got back into it again uh, towards the end of the 80s. And, um, and, you know, it went on from there. And, of course, there's too many things to remember in a way. Um, and... Uh, I moved. I moved when the kid when I was married. Then the kids were young. I wasn't living in the area. I moved down to Sussex for a while when I was living, working in the city. <clears throat> when I came back home, which was the late nineties, um, I sort of re-established connection again, and that's when I um, bumped into John Mitchell at the uh, at the garage in Harpenden because I think he lived in Harpenden then. And he persuaded me to join this thing. I think they call it the club or something like that, which was just spending a whole load of money to be in the old boardroom, you know, the old, the big one that was knocked down. And I think I paid eight grand plus VAT to, to join this club of his. And um, it did get us in the boardroom and got you to meet people at the time. And uh, um, I found out afterwards that, I was the only person who paid money for this for this invitation. <laughs> but anyway, the only reason for that part of the story was it got me to know a bit about what they were doing then, John Mitchell and uh, Sherry Newbury and uh, uh, David David um, Pinkney, and uh, they tried to get me to. I had a bit. I was lucky enough to have a bit of money then, uh, and they tried to get me to invest with them, but I didn't. Really, I didn't really fancy that very much. Thank um, God for that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, but I did meet in the old boardroom. I met Andrew Archer, who I'm sure most people will know or have heard of. And it was Arch that introduced me to Gary Sweet. And Gary was then looking at trying to find a way of buying the club, either buying it directly off of Pinkney which he did offer, uh, or basically doing what we eventually did. And he came to me with <clears throat> with a few others with um, the business plan type of thing, which was the plan, the aim was to, you know, get back ownership. Uh, we were then in the League Two, I think, weren't we? And get back from League Two to the Championship um, and get a new stadium built. And, of course, um, it went from there and we... A few of us, um, myself, Bob Curzon, uh, Mick Pattinson, uh, all put a bit of money in to start the ball rolling and um, bought into the club. Uh, I can't remember what the money was then, but we agreed to invest. And um, uh, without knowing that we'd got a 30-point, 40-point deduction, and we tried at you know, after we'd found that out, we tried to get uh, the price down, but it was refused. Um, so that was the beginning of it. 
then Paul Ballantyne joined us and Mike Herrick joined us a bit later and um, it, it, it moved from there. Um, so that was how it all started. And it started because we were all fans of the club, couldn't hate, hated the way things were going. Um, of course, Gary was involved because he'd been, um, he'd been fighting... Uh, uh, John Gurney. John Gurney, that's yep. right. Um, and uh, that really led him onto it. Fighting Gurney led him into doing all this. And the plan was, was, sold, was sold to us. That boardroom must be quite famous because I was in that boardroom the night that we got rid of John Gurney with Gary Sweet, funnily oh, enough. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that boardroom would have been able to tell a few stories, I'm it sure. Uh, That's why they knocked it down, probably. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely right, yeah. Um, so when like Gary and everyone else, and they come to you, did you ever envisage a situation whereby you would be part owner of our football club and the responsibility that comes with it really, even more so at that time, because we really were on our knees. Let's, you know, I hate to kind of use the term ready to be put out of business, but in all intents and purposes, we were being left to be put out of business. That that was, that's a huge responsibility to carry, even as a town fan. And I know how much the club means to you and everyone does obviously, but you know, it's still, it's still a big responsibility. I don't know whether you think about that. What do you think? Uh, um, you think about, I think you imagine. Yeah, I think Gary sold us the story. And the story was, well, it was sold before we got points deductions, but it was credible. And we never deserved to get relegated. Um, and I think we believed we'd get back before we did. And, of course, we didn't know we were going to have the money we have ended, ended up having. Because when people like Paul Ballantyne came in, it was an extra boost, financial boost for us. Um, because I suppose, if you look back, the championship, we were in it five years, probably cost us two million a year losses to sustain it. And that gets pretty tough. And then when you lose players, academy players that you're working through get lost because, you know, just because you haven't got the money to, to, to sort of keep them and, and you've got no reg, no um, restrictions from anywhere and no money for the academy. So all of that was very tough. Um, but I don't know whether you, I think you've, we all felt as fans, it's like we were lucky enough all of us to have a bit of money to put in. Uh, and I remember, uh, I think it was James Kahn, it's not James Kahn, but Kahn from um, Dragon's Den came one time to do a little documentary thing. And he was interviewing Bob Curzon in the, um, in the director's box on camera. And he said, oh, you know, looking at why people would invest in a football club. And he said um, to Bob, he said, what do you expect? Do you expect to make some money out of this? And Bob said, no, he said, no, I wrote it off from the moment I put it in. <laughs> and after he'd said it, he went, oh, Dave, Dave, what have I done? He said, Lynn, that's his wife, Lynn will have watching this. <laughs> so, so, but anyway, um, I think we all felt the same. We, we were supporters. We had a bit of money. We put it in. We probably expected to lose it. But you hope always that someone else will come along and keep it going. And, and we believed the story because we loved the club. 
And we shouldn't have been where we were. So there was a good chance we could revive ourselves. And and with the support you get, because the supporters stuck with us, didn't they, through the whole whole time, and which we were anyway. So we didn't think, I don't think we think any differently to they do, which is, again, why you guys were trying to protect what you've got, what we've got in terms of you know, the club and and the future. So, no, I don't know whether I felt the responsibility. You just get on with it, and uh, and it, it worked. It worked in some ways better than we ever thought it would work. Yeah, it's all gone very well <laughs> up to this point. I mean, hasn't it is it? extraordinary, really. But yeah. I mean, When you think back to it, um, when you first came in at the start, I mean, sort of how close was the club to being out of business? When we were involved, mm, yeah. I don't think when we were involved, I've never felt it ever was, because... Before we got involved, that's what it I meant. Was very, Sorry, yeah, well, yeah, it, just it was out, over. It was out of business. It was it was in administration. Um, they'd messed around. I mean, they they were told what was going to happen. They didn't realise that administration doesn't mean the same in a football club as it does, you know, in the real world, and that the revenue and uh, and the football league you have to pay hundred percent. They didn't realise that, so mm-hmm. that really messed them. Uh, messed up their brains, but um, uh, it it was out of it was out of business. If it wasn't for you know, us coming in with with what we did, it would have been out of business. Mm. It might have come back in another form, like Barry has or some of those things at some stage. But who knows? Mm. Uh, I mean, it may not have done. Yeah, I mean, Gary's obviously a very persuasive fellow. I know that. You know, anyone who's dealt with him knows that. And I remember him saying when we got relegated to the conference, you know, we'll get this club back in the championship. And everyone was like, you know, what's this bloke being drinking, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously those of us who know him know that he was serious and he had a plan. But did that plan ever involve being in the Premier League 15 years later? No, no. Stadium first, as you know, it was supposed to be stadium and uh, championship by 2020, which is why we call ourselves 2020. Um, And it might have always been got there if it hadn't been for Brexit and and COVID. Because, you know, you know the, the whole stadium plans changed because of that. Uh, if we'd been able to do retail, and the original plans at Junction 10, if we'd been able to do those, uh, we would have had enough money to build the stadium two years ago, I suppose. Uh, so it, 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 it's had a huge impact. And thank goodness, I mean, it, it's fortune. It favours the brave, I suppose. But fortune means, we've, you know, the Premier League helps us to do the same thing. Um, it's it's not quite as much as, I don't think, as we would have made out of Junction 10, but it's not far off. No. So you are chairman of the football club. You're now chairman in the Premier League. What's that like? It's a bit early to tell. Um, scary, I suppose. It's different. Uh, I mean, everybody feels it's much more. What's the word? It, it's it the, the um, corporate uh, governance is a lot greater. Um, the attention to all sorts of things, which um, sort of washed aside a bit in lower leagues, um, make it. Uh, I think the. The comment that was made to me when, literally, the first comment I had after uh, 
we the penalty went was missed was from Cliff Crown at Brentford who said David one piece of advice staff up you're going to need them and I think that's one thing you know you do need the staff you do need to, it's different league way different um I, I would I don't want to say more professional because that's that's in I mean I love the championship I think it's the best competition in the country I mean maybe in the world I don't know but it's a fantastic competition um but the premier league is just it's it's mind blowing in terms of the money and the the uh, what's required in terms of of um uh, of due diligence uh detail um and uh and you're you're much more um can't think of the word. What do you? You're much more um, under the microscope than you are if you're not in the Premier League. I mean, yes, the Championship were fairly, um, you know, the rules were fairly strict, but nothing like what we've got with the Premier League. Yeah, I've, I've obviously been a fan of the Premier League <coughs> from afar. You know, you, it's, it's it's all over our televisions. You can't watch a game of football and not see the Premier League. So you understand kind of from afar how big it is. But it's only when you really get into it that you that you fully understand it, isn't it? I mean, just as the trust media officer, when I was invited by Stu and the media team to be part of the media day ahead of the playoffs. Yeah. So we'd not even got into the Premier League yet. And the amount of TV cameras and journalists and everyone who was getting in touch with me from America and Canada, what the hell do you care about English football? <laughs> but it's, it's absolutely world. It is incredible what they've created and I mean obviously we were one of the teams that signed the thing off 30 odd years ago so just to be part of it is as it's a amazing. fan it's, it's just incredible it's a wonderful experience uh, I don't know yet whether I'm enjoying it or not you know you don't, I don't like losing you knew you were going to we're kind of 38 points away from enjoying it yeah. aren't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know you're going to lose games you know it's going to be tough but it's still no fun particularly when you've had what the the recent past we've had, you know, which is basically winning a lot more than you lose. Uh, I know it's going to happen, uh, and I believe very strongly that that our lot, you know, our our group, our our footballers and our coaches are quite capable of turning it round, and I, I think they will. I think you know they're not given much chance of it, but I, I from what I've heard, and when you hear Rob Edwards talk about plans strategy and recently i think it's fascinating and i think it it leaves me to be quite confident that we're gonna we're gonna be okay can i ask you about rob because obviously you know he came in at a time where not so much we could have sunk or swum because we were we had the foundations thanks to nathan obviously he'd been come back and Mm. got us in a really good place but I've spoken to you at the last Trust AGM around about the time that you appointed Rob and you, you were all blown away by him. What was it about him that impressed you all? His whole, his whole approach, really. Um, he was very credible, believable. He was very presentable. He, well, he did present very well. But as a person, he's very presentable too. He's... You warm to him, uh, and I think that we felt that that would. You know, he's a different character to Nathan. Nathan was was very much, um, 
you know, hand on heart, a passion, but very much Nathan. Whereas Rob, we felt, was much more us, you know, team rather than just him. Um, and his, as I say, his his presentation he made to us was second to none. It was fabulous and persuasive about the changes he was going to make. And I suspect that's changed again, but the changes he was going to make to where we were at the time and the way we played uh, and what he wanted. Uh, and he knew he knew it. He knew what he wanted and he knew how he was going to do it. And we just warmed to him. Because uh, there is, sorry, James. I mean, I saw his name on the short list of managers and I thought, He's a really good manager from what he's done at Forest Green, but surely yeah. they'll never go for him because of where, <laughs> where he's just come from. Exactly what I was uh, going to say, yeah. But that was that, the first question. Yeah, you know, what about Watford? But, you know, he wasn't there long enough to worry about him. No, really, that's was what he? he said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are running out of managers that we can appoint that haven't been appointed for five minutes down the road, haven't we? It's that's uh, true. I mean, obviously, he was brought in to take us to the Premier League. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't brought in just to stagnate in the Championship. But to do it so quickly is just a remarkable of, of him, really, you know, because, yes, we were in a good place in the championship. But I think we can all agree that the longer that season went on, the better we got because of him as a person and the way he managed his players and the style that he adopted over the second half of the season. You know, there was times where we were drawing. He would bring a substitute on to go and win the game and we'd win the game. Norwich yeah. at home being one such point. We'd go away from home to games where, as fans, we're going and we're kind of, well, we'll take a point here today. That's not a bad result. But no, no, Rob goes and Sheffield United being one, he goes and wins the game. And and that's why fans have rallied around him and, and, and pretty much why we're in the Premier League. He, he's, yes. I mean, I think the thing that I've noticed, and I don't go down very often and watch, but when I've seen him coaching, uh, one thing that's different is that he is a one-on-one person. He, he talks to his players individually. Um, and so I think they all know that he cares about them. Um, and he, and then I think he fits people in to the right. You know, it's square pegs into square holes and round pegs. And, and I think he does that more. Whereas I think occasionally Nathan used to sort of fill gaps with people that didn't necessarily the right people to fill in the gaps. But it's – and I mean, you mustn't forget, I mean, uh, Rob, um, um, uh, that um, – I forgot what I was going to say now uh, – that the, the coaches, Richie and uh, Trolls, are tremendous as well. I mean, Richie's got a fantastic reputation of coaching from England level and everything. And um, they are – and now, of course, you've got um, Macker and others coming into the, the, the setup. Um, which which I think, you know, just adds to the whole thing. I mean, it's just uh, – in fact, I think there's enough – there's as much staff now. When you go to an away game, I think there's as many staff as there are players, which shows that's the difference from when we started. You know, you might have had – you might have had a manager and, a, and an assistant and maybe oh, – and, of course, Simon was always there. But other than that, you wouldn't have many people around at all now. It's massive. And it's great. It's great. And another big change in the time that you guys have been in control of the club is the training ground down at the Brace. We've moved from Ely Way to an unbelievable facility down at the Brace. I must admit, I've not been down there since COVID because... You haven't? No, because obviously... You've not seen the gym then? I haven't. I've been told about it and I've seen all the videos and everything else and I'm looking forward to coming down when I can get a player podcast (laughs) uh, done and everything. But 
even when I saw it last, it was a fantastic facility and it's only improved since then. So oh, the quality well, of the pitches now is absolutely extraordinary. And that we were, I don't know whether you know this, I'm sure you do, but the um, we had a, a standby pitch just in case the pitch at the Kenny wouldn't recover, uh, which is a um, uh, a um, Deso des- pitch. You know, it's half plastic. Uh, and we've put that down the training ground and it, I think they played on it yesterday for the first time. And it may have been today, I don't know, but um, it's t- tremendous down there. The gym is extraordinary. I think we were told it was one of the biggest in in football. I have it to is, say, is gyms aren't really Not my... I mean, thing. looking at me, you know, <laughs> no, gyms aren't really my... I look through the window when I go down there. <laughs> <laughs> it's about as close as I'll get as well. Who's Jim? What's, what, where, what, what's, his, what's his role? That kind of thing. Um, but it's played a massive part in our rise, though, hasn't it? Both in recruiting players. I've yeah. spoken to a lot of players as on our journey that probably wouldn't have come to Luton if we'd stayed at Ely Way, with no disrespect to Ely Way or anything. Players want the best facilities, and you guys are invested in exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And and will continue. I think that we're still trying to expand. If, there, if, there, if there's a problem, it's that it's not big enough because there's no room there for the academy. And so it, it, we're going to have to try and expand. And there are plans. Um, and uh, we were trying, and we've been trying for a couple of years now to get a dome and to move up from academy from three to two, um, which I think we, we've applied again. So we should be we should be close to it. I used to take my daughter to a school at the back there because I live around the back there, so I can sometimes walk around. And I'm never around for training, but I can see the pictures. But They've never once, I've never seen anybody on that patch of land where you wanted to put the dome, even though the council said, yeah, we might need that. I know, <laughs> I know. And the pitch is in a dreadful condition too, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but no, it was, there were various things that locked it up, mostly politics. Mm. Um, but uh, I think it's opening up now. In fact, it may be us that's delaying now rather than them. Is it still that piece of... Been, we've had a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, yeah, I exactly. William and Day, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned... Yeah, ex- it's still, it's still uh, we hope. Yeah. You mentioned expansion. Let's talk about our beautiful home, which has been expanded uh, in the last few weeks. First of all, a shout out to everyone involved in getting a whole stand built in 13 weeks. It's just an incredible it, achievement from everyone involved. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And everybody who's done it needs a huge, huge thanks um, it can't. It can't be something that's ever happened before. It, it it's hard because you you're sort of you, you see it when it starts. You see it when it finishes. You don't really see quite often. I mean, Gary did, but those that aren't there every day don't see the amount of work that's gone into it. It's phenomenal. If you get round and underneath and everything, you, and and look at the TV studio and everything, it's it's extraordinary the work and the gantry. They say, and I think Sky have said recently, that it's the best view in football. We've sent James up there. He's been up there for the last two home games. So do you... Uh... Yeah, it's great. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a little look in where the TV cameras go. They did, and, did you? Um, they weren't there at that time. It was a Gillingham game that I went in there. But yeah, it was great. Um, even when the rain came, I didn't mind. It was quite a good view. I could see. <laughs> it's, just, it's unique because being over there, usually sat in the main stand and having that view and then to go over the other side and see 
you can actually watch the action from a different perspective. You can just yeah. see the fans and how they are. So it's quite unique. Well, as someone who's nearly who's watched it from this the other the other side for a long time, the football's always on that side, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why that is, but it's always over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. And then that day, it's so. always over there yeah. behind a pillar. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you don't you don't see it all. I, I did. I did have to joke because there was a tiny little rope hanging down from the top of the gantry, and I thought, well, they're just trying to make me feel at home here, placing a <laughs> placing a post in the way. I mean, it's only the thick, thickness of a rope, but yeah. I kind of appreciated it. Well, you get used to it. It'll be awful. We don't have one actually because mine's in right there. It sort of doesn't quite get the corner flag, but nearly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just amazing, and it it actually brings out more beauty in Kenilworth Road. You know, we, we we all cherish Kenilworth Road. You know, we've all got God knows how many memories there. And the the day when we do leave will be a sad day, albeit a good one for the club as a whole. But actually, when I went to the Gillingham game, which wasn't the first time I'd seen the stand secretly we have our trust meetings at the club every other month and i kind of had a sneak peek out of one of the windows yeah, just of to uh, see what it was like but when you see it on for the first time and everything it just is it just adds to the beauty of kenworth road it does and it's even better than when i mean i can remember standing uh, in the 60s standing in the in the bobbers because in those days it wasn't um it wasn't uh, uh, divided so it was you were mixed up and um it was always quite, it was always quite lively in there, but it was a good place to be, standing, because you know it was it was uh, tight and uh, quite quite active. And obviously, we've seen a Premier League game there now against West Ham United. We've seen three Premier League games overall. We've kind of, I think, Rob's admitted um, that we've improved in each one. Yep. Uh, I certainly think the West Ham game was our best game so far. Yep. And obviously going forward, we hope that that improvement will happen. And one of the reasons why will be a successful transfer window, which has just concluded. How happy are the people behind the scenes with the transfer window? I think very. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, it, it's always tough, particularly when you're trying to you know, play with relatively small money compared to the rest of the, of, of the, of the league. Um, uh, I think that um, I can't remember now. I think we're somewhere around twenty million of transfer money in total, and I think um, uh, we played an under twenty-one game the other day where the keeper was twenty million. Quid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you know, we reportedly uh, Chelsea have spent a billion one or something. It's in the last. Uh, That's just crazy, one, months. isn't it? When you when you come up against it and. Twenty million is a lot of money for Luton Town. I mean, well, it's think, a lot of money. Full stop. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I wouldn't mind twenty million, but yeah, I mean, I've sort of broken the transfer record three times this summer, and still. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I'd I'd much rather find players that you can develop and that get better than have somebody who comes in at the age of I don't know what twenty nine for hundred million, um, and he's done it, and now he's got it, and he's he's there. And I'd, I'd much rather have people who are who are hungry still. Mm. I don't think. But I, that's. I'm a Luton fan. That's what. That's what we're <laughs> like, isn't it? I mean, the, the ones you love the most are the ones that have done the, uh, had the the, the succession or the pro- progression with you. you oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the current side, Pele, Rudder, Campanzu. Yeah. Being, he's kind of synonymous with 2020, really, isn't he? Because yeah. you know. 
he's been right on your journey and uh, well, people like him Luke Berry uh, Dan Potts Dan as well Potts. another one James Shea been with us since the League 2 days actually as a fan I'm kind of glad that those people are still around because not just as a reminder of where we've come from because we should never forget just because we're in the Premier League now we should never forget you know that journey that we've been on it should always fuel us to improve as it yes. has done right through that time so to have those guys with us kind of shows not just us but the whole football pyramid look you can do this on a on a shoestring or, or slightly more and yeah. you know you don't have to have these investors you don't have to get into the troubles that in our times we've gone past the derbies the reddings the wiggins of this world who've obviously had their points deductions and their troubles mm. but you can do it the right way and you can still be in the premier league you can bring luke berry off the bench in the premier league and he'll be absolutely fine in the premier league you can play pelly in the premier league from the conference mm-hmm. and he's absolutely fine at that level it can be done yeah yeah no exactly uh, and I, I think, I don't know, I don't know any of my peers anyway who think differently. I mean, they all they all like seeing young players progress. Um, I, I have to say sometimes you think, we, you know, when they're lent out, you feel a bit sorry that they're not there, but, but you're always hoping they come back better. Mm. Um, but, yeah. There's something for me that um, doesn't sit right about spending £100 million on one player anyway and when you think of the amount of money that it's probably costing guys to get power court there and Chelsea probably spent that in a week on a couple of players it's crazy yeah really. what can you say I mean it is it is what it is I mean that's what we're in again up against mm. it's why the you know the promoted clubs struggle so much mm. I mean even the bigger ones even those that have spent money like Burnley you know it, it's never easy um, and uh, it's a bigger challenge when you're fighting like we are. We're always we, we're good underdogs, aren't we? We always have been good underdogs. Even last year, mm. oh, Luton aren't good. Yeah, what was it? How many was it? Teams like Luton was it five <laughs> managers? God, so we shouldn't be losing to teams like Luton. Yeah. I mean, Hull sacked their manager before we even arrived, <laughs> didn't they? I mean, that's, <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was quite novel. That one, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, yeah, it. it I think it suits us better being like that. I can't imagine us being different. Can you imagine us having that sort of money to spend? And if we did, what would happen? I just don't know. I don't. I don't think I'd like it. But you do see. I mean, they've got more money anyway. But the likes of Newcastle, when they got taken over by effectively a country, yeah, <laughs> and suddenly all the criticism about that those owners and what they've where they've come from and some of the things they do outside of football didn't mean anything because they suddenly had all this money and now they find themselves they won in the, a game cha- or two, yeah. the Champions League yeah. and how quickly it changes. I, I hope it never never gets to that point. No, I, it, I hope so too. I hope so too. But you know, who knows what the future holds? I mean, we obviously love the way that we do things as a club. We love the way that 2020 run the club and everything else. But now we're in the Premier League, there's a lot of scrutiny on us and there's an awful lot of, uh, for the want of a better phrase, bollocks spoken. <laughs> And, you know, fair bits of criticism have come our way about the way we do things. Do you guys... Like? Like what sort of things? Sort of, you know, because we don't spend £50 million on a player. Not from Luton fans, from the supposed bigger fan, fans of bigger clubs and things like that, mm-hmm. who don't understand Luton. You know, you've got to come to the Premier League. We give you £100 million, You've got to spend it on your players and you've got to make an effort. And if you don't, people like Garth Crooks are going to say they can't take you seriously. 
Do you guys kind of take any notice of that? Do you think it's disrespectful that that comment in particular that totally, he said? Totally. I mean, we we deserve to be where we are. Absolutely. We ended up third in the championship. Whatever you think about playoffs, we ended up third, well third, and we've climbed the leagues from our own good work. I mean, and the players that we've had over the years have got us there, and we deserve to be there. The fact that we're not, you know, we're not Man City or Newcastle or whoever else it is, is irrelevant. We, you know, one day we might be. It's a cyclical business, isn't it? I mean, uh, we can remember the days when, uh, you know, Huddersfield were a, a top team in the top of the first, divi- uh, first division or, I don't know, Blackpool or whoever. And so it's possible. But we've got to stick to our, our philosophy and our roots and that's the thing that we mustn't change. We mustn't ever be, you know, chasing the dream, which is not us, you know. And I think, you know, there are lots of things that can happen. We can get much more involved with our community than we are. And I think that'll happen, is happening, and I think it'll happen more. But I think it's the most important thing is to get involved with your own people, not trying to attract outsiders too much. I, I think the dream has been chased in the right way though hasn't it because yes it has like you say gary soldier the vision of um getting out of the conference getting to the championship he did that a year earlier than yeah you expected to so achieve the dream there and then <clears throat> you i mean the, the the dream of that championship final and what happened there must have been out of this world it was for the fans but what about for you guys oh uh, um well of course it was i mean it was unbelievable and it was terrifying. It was an awful. I hated hated every minute of the game <laughs> until the penalty was missed. Um, I've never been so I don't know what scared. Uh, but um, of course, it was the best thing best thing that's ever happened to us. Uh, but but it still, in some ways, hasn't sunk in. You know, I, I don't know whether you find it the same, but for me, it hasn't. You, you still you, know, you go along to. We, I had never been to Brighton before, but I thought it was a nice enough place, but nothing special, a bit soulless. Oh, very much soulless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We'd been to Chelsea before and it was okay, but, you know, we've been to Sunderland and we've been to, you know, uh, we've been to Wembley a few times in our history. So, it, so far, nothing's really, we haven't won anything yet. Maybe that's part of the reason, but... It still hasn't sunk in. And I think perhaps I don't know what it is. First win, you know, I don't know what it'll be. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful place to be, but it, you don't, I don't feel it yet. There's been a bit of a stop-start ste- season. Well, that's horrible, through, isn't it? Isn't yeah, horrible. The postponed games, international breaks, oh, which... No. Oh, I can't break is terrible. Sorry. Yeah, it's... I'm, I'm glad that all the players are playing for their countries and they're going off and doing that. Yeah. But for fans, it's just dead two weeks. And and you yeah. can't, there's not much else to watch either. No, no, no. I mean, I watched Chio playing for Ireland against France. Yeah. And I thought, well, I want to get involved in this because he's our player. Yeah. And, you know, you want him to do well and everything else. But then you're like, international football, you know, apart from in a tournament, it's not brilliant. It's not England. <laughs> Yeah, I hope he does well, but is there something else on the other side? No, well, there isn't. Well, I'll keep on watching it then. But if there was, you know, and it's like, 
I think James is right. I mean, we're coming up to five, six weeks after the season actually started. In fact, it was and six we weeks ago this games. Saturday that you and I shared a beer in Germany. So five yes. weeks since the season started. Uh, we've played three games. Three games. Yeah, it's unheard of, really. Well, we would have played about seven. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I keep on seeing all these League One and League Two fixtures pop up on my like yeah. live score thing, and I'm like, why are they playing friendlies in this? Oh no, of course they're not playing. When we were in Germany, I got a notification on my phone because QPR were playing Watford that day, and I've got friends who are QPR fans. So yeah. obviously, I wanted QPR to win that yeah. game, so I was keeping it on there. Uh, they had their score and they're flashing up, and initially I thought why are they playing a friendly seven days before they're going to play each other in the <laughs> league? Because we would normally have started the league on that day, wouldn't we? And then it dawned on me, it's we're in the Premier League and they're in the Championship. And it, I thought, Germany was great anyway, but then that was just fantastic. It was uh, it, it, it was grand. Just on, um, on Germany, obviously it was great to go and experience a different culture. And as a fan, I think, with, with no disrespect to the players or anyone that that was involved. The games were, were fine. They were good, but the ex, the whole experience was kind of the culture and everything else about that. Is there a chance that that could happen in other countries in future pre-seasons perhaps? I don't see why not. I mean, we've, we've had games um, pre-season in Slovenia um, and we had one in Portugal. Um, and that's when we were at lower levels. I'd have thought now, I don't, the Premier League does stuff as well. I mean, the, I think they had a competition in America. Didn't I did they? see that, yeah. West Ham and Brentford. I can't decide if I wanted us to be involved in that or not. I love America, but uh, it just felt all. But I don't know staged. whether it was. It, all, it was obviously. Yeah. But but I, I don't know whether. I, I just think yeah. I mean, of course the fans like it. I like it, uh, and I'm sure it will happen. And Rob will like it. I think it depends. I think how the league. Like you said, stop, start, mm. and and because we, I don't know, it's it sort of, it, perhaps we're not yet used to it. We haven't settled. Once we get settled, and we, we've got a process, and um, we can work our way towards through things, maybe that'll. But I can't see any reason why we wouldn't have one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. As uh, got wet, didn't we? We <laughs> we did. It was absolutely fine when you came over, and then by the time we'd finished our beers, my word, did the heavens open! You haven't seen rain like it, James. I'll tell you, it was. Um, I felt sorry for actually because the first team played in beautiful sunshine, didn't they? I did. And then poor old Matt Macy, he was warming up on the pitch, and you know, obviously, you know, many Luton fans that didn't really take to him because of the mistakes that he made way back when in League Two and things like that. And he's fine. He had that look on his face, didn't he? Finally, I'm going to get my chance to prove in front yes. of these fans that, I'm, and the heavens open. It's like, ah, oh, no, or now oh, I've got this soaking wet ball. I've got absolutely no chance. Of, and I was, <laughs> but Luke Berry did his usual, didn't he? He did. He did. <laughs> he did. It was yeah. It was absolutely. It was a great experience. Really enjoyed it. As I say, the, the games were were good and they were fine. But the whole or the whole experience. If we could have a regular one of, I'm sure fans would would take it up and. Um, yeah, you know the club would make from it as much as off the pitch as, as on the pitch, sort of thing with travel and everything else. So that would be fantastic sure if we, we could, yeah. if we could do that. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, but everything's a new thing at the moment, isn't it? So that's that's probably what it is. You know, if you if it yeah, it doesn't quite feel like the season's got going yet, but no, it doesn't. There's, it doesn't at all. I think that there's, there's obvious factors, like you say. You know, the first win will will be yeah. a memorable day, and hopefully it's soon, but. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things. Oh, we're going to also going to have to get used to playing less games as well because 
the Premier League is we play once a week most of the time really now rather than well the second half of the season's a bit busier isn't it because I can't remember how many is it only 16 games is it 16 yeah because that was that silly comment about us being relegated by Christmas wasn't it we can't be relegated by Christmas I think it's 18 before 20 after because I think it's 54 points or something in there you worked it out so um, I mean it's mathematically uh, impossible to be relegated before Christmas so that there's one thing about that. Yeah. Well, comment, even, but... I don't know why you're even thinking that way. <laughs> no, indeed. No, no, it's just in, in response to Garth Crooks, really. Just, oh, well. Um, yeah. Uh, no yeah. comment. It's 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 impossible. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm still of the view that, that it's going to be a successful season. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, I think we bought, I think we bought well. I mean, from what I can gather, I haven't, we haven't seen much of them yet, that the players are fitting in well down at, in the Breche. Uh, and they're getting on, you know, they're, they're mixing well, which is important. I don't yet know, what, I don't think Rob knows what his final best team is yet. Why, how would he? Mm. They haven't played much, have they? Yeah, well, that's another thing as well, isn't it? That trying to embed 12 new players into a squad is always going to be quite tricky anyway. So um, there's there's that element element as well. Whereas in previous seasons... Well, it was quite as, it was as many as that last season, wasn't it? Near enough. Yeah, yeah I think it was actually, yeah. yeah. Eight or nine anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, 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 you always think it's not, but it's half a squad near enough. It? it is, yeah, yeah. I guess it's because we've got this through line of players that have come up from either the conference or league two, and they're still there. Um, I know we've just seen Glenn Ray leave, which we were all a little bit gutted about because he was one of these great characters and such an influential player in those three uh, seasons in those three different divisions as well. um, And and more recently, Alan Campbell, of course, Mm. which is, yeah. I mean, that's, that is, it's going to happen, isn't it? There's there's no room for sentimentality and, and it's in a football. different. It is a different game in the Premier League, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's one thing you do notice, don't you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, really. You know, you get an awful lot of round the back and round the back. Yeah. Well, we spoke. We spoke about this on the last episode of how that may be the way people play, anyway. And I think it probably is. But West Ham almost took the sting out of the crowd by doing that because it was just quite boring. Really, they didn't do anything. Yeah, Brighton. Brighton was similar. Wasn't it? Yeah. Similar kind of football. They're not very social, are they? Once they get the ball off you, they don't give it back to you very easily, (laughs) do they? At least in the championship, they let you have a go every now and and again. We're really friendly because we're giving away quite a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's because we're nice people. Indeed, absolutely (laughs) right. And I suspect as we go forward, that's one of the things that we'll learn in in this league, you know, once you've got it. Keep hold of the bloody thing, you know, because they're not going to give it back to you without a, without a fight. It's um, yeah, it is. It is crazy when players leave. Obviously, you have. Do you have more of an attachment to players now that you're chairman of the club than you? You know, do you, do you kind of feel slightly deeper with you know with players, particularly the ones that leave? You know, obviously, Alan, Glenn, Danny. You know, um, I think I think you try not to. I mean, I think it's a bit like there there are some that you get. Uh, attached to I mean not to, to them but in your head I mean I've asked you know I, I mentioned before Luke Berry I mean he's been with us a long time you feel sorry for a player who's been injured so often who's obviously talented and who you know he's got more goals per minute than whatever it is than most other people but and those sorts of people I think Grabby Pelly um, who else would would do 
you know, those, I think you have an attachment, only a, only a sort of um, sentimental attachment to those. I think mostly you try not to. And football is so horrible, really, isn't it? <laughs> ruthless, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It is horrible. Yeah. Ruthless. And I think you, you just, it, you, because we, we, I don't know, I, we have to work out how many players we've had since we got involved. But it must be a lot. Yeah, you'd probably be surprised once you tied them all up and, and counted them. A hell of a lot of players. That, Particularly in the conference days, yeah. wasn't they? Because, you know, manager turnover was quite big in the it, conference and they all want their own players, don't they? And It's that. And the other thing we were talking about the other day was how many grounds we've been played at in a competition since we got involved. And that's That must be verging on 200, I should think. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, and that's it. Nobody else could have possibly been there. Could no, they? no, I don't think many people have been um, stuck it. Because you have those Hartley Pool on a Tuesday night. And no, I was there. Because <laughs> you have those people, don't you? Who try and do the ninety-two grounds, and you look at oh, he's getting promoted from the conference, and there's a little fact. Well, actually, we went there was when we were in the conference. That's handy. We've already done that one, you know, as opposed to you know when some someone else like a Harrogate or someone, no disrespect to them, when they come up, oh no. We're never going to play them, so I'm going to struggle to... Uh, yeah. We played them in the cup in the home game, didn't we? Yeah, but yeah. We, whereas when Wrexham and Notts County get promoted last season, well, we've already done those ones. That's well, fine. We've, we've both been in the first division, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. <laughs> so not so much with players. How about with managers then? Because obviously you you guys employ those a little bit more directly than the than the players. The manager kind of chooses his players, whereas you choose the manager. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking... Well one, well, one manager in particular, John Steele. Would. There's a, a personal thing. Uh, I suppose I, I can tell a story about this. I, for most managers, you accept it as part of the game. Uh, with John, it was different. Uh, John, John is the only one that we, the whole board went to say, time's up, John. And most of us had tears in our eyes when we were doing it because he did so much for the club and he was such a lovely man. And um, most of the others, well, you're sort of involved in the in the dismissing of, you know. I mean, um, I was a bit involved with Paul Buckle and Gary and I with, um, with um, Richard Money and... Uh, so. I mean, those two, it was pretty obvious their time had run its course, yeah. wasn't it? Particularly Richard Money. I mean, he was going man- mentally in the media as well as everything. It, it was obvious. And, and obviously, Paul Buckle, I mean, we just had that brilliant day against Norwich, but then we followed it up by losing in the FA Trophy, didn't we? Which kind of yeah. summed it all up. And you could tell again, but if you think he wasn't taking us where you wanted us to go. If you think of the other successful, most successful manager we've had since we've been there was... Nathan, because Nathan did things which made you love him less, you know. So when he left the first time, it was not very nice. No. Uh, and the second time wasn't quite so bad, but because you sort of expected it. Uh, yeah, once and, they've done it once, and, they do it and, again. And, so and, think, you know, yeah. We were a bit protected that time, so it, it was better. But I don't think you felt badly about it particularly. It's just that not, not me, but Gary and his group then have to have to have all the work to do to replace. That's the tough thing. You don't so worried about losing them. It's finding the right one. And the great thing that Mick and Gary and those have done is to is to put you know, the shortlist has always been bloody good shortlist. 
Um, and it's always been both Nathan's case and um, and Rob's case. They they presented so brilliantly to the board because they were the only two, I think, that were actually again they were only they were the only two that were interviewed by the board rather than you know perhaps Gary and me or whatever. Uh, and they both presented brilliantly and blew people away at presentations. Well, we're so delighted that Rob's our manager, both yeah. for the person that he is and the coach that he is, and we're hoping that he's around for a long time. Obviously with success will obviously bring suitors towards him, which hopefully we can fend off if and if the time arrives, because hopefully he's going to be the man who leads us into power court. Um, yes. Gary said to Sky yes. a couple of weeks ago, three years away perhaps. Uh, Is that I guess sounding about right? Uh, probably, yes. Um, we were. St- I know that things have been delayed a bit recently because of all the work at the stadium. Because it, it's basically the same project team. Yeah, understandable that though. Isn't uh, it? <laughs> I, I, the, the plan. So just was, to clarify that, obviously, the people who built the bobbers are the people who are going to be working on Power Court, and obviously, you can't be in two places at the same time. Oh well, yes, but but the but the but the, um, uh, the architects as well, and all those sorts of guys. Uh, and the engineers are involved or have been involved in the work at, at, at the Kenny. And so they would be following on. And there's also work needed to get to detailed planning, which was planned. And I'm not actually totally up to date because we had a board meeting today, but it didn't include dev developments. So, But it was intended that planning would be um, go for in before the end of the year and that we would have a spade in the ground next year, but I suspect that might have been put back a little. But, you know, when you've been waiting 50 years, what does a year have a difference? Yeah, indeed. I mean, the main thing is that you can clarify that all is on track. Yeah. Power court is still going to happen because, you know, everyone, like you say, we've been waiting so long and, you know, there's there's that tender nature in society, really, that you think the worst rather than the best of things. But Power Court is there. It's part of the plans. We will be in Power Court. If it's not dead on three years, like Gary said, don't hold you accountable, but we will be in Power Court. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it won't be a soulless stadium. I mean, the amount of time and money that's been spent already on things like acoustic acoustics and all that, um, it... it if you if it's possible to have a new stadium with atmosphere and 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 Kenny would be Kenny like it will be it will be but I you know um, I've they've been to, I've been going to Kenilworth Road since nineteen six uh, since nineteen fifty eight so sixty five years and um, you know I just hope you know that um, we did get it done in that time because I'd like to see it but I shall. I shall miss the Kenny terribly. We all will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's going to be a very sad day when it when it actually happens. It's home, really. It's second home. Well, yeah, exactly. So many, so many great memories there, and particularly in the last decade as well for for us. I won't miss okay. the photos of the Oak Road stand on social media. I must admit, but uh, yeah. the rest of the Kenny, uh, absolutely. <laughs> don't even mind that. It's, <laughs> it's part of us. Isn't I, it? I, it is. I, yeah, I, I, quite right. I love it. Because they dislike it so much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, again, you know when people say about players, how much character is so important when you're thinking back at players you've liked in the time. They're not necessarily the best footballers, 
but the ones you know most, you've noticed most. It still, still applies a bit. There's still a lot of players that are a bit good, but dull. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the character aspect where, uh, particularly when talking about the ground, is what everybody loves about Kenilworth Road. But obviously, they're thinking about how's that going to transfer to Power Court. Are there some things that have impressed you about the the little things, the extra added touches that? that will try and make it a home? Well, in, it, it, it's everything from how close to the pitch can we be, how steep can the, uh, the rake be in the stands, uh, what can we do about sort of closing things in which, you know, will make it feel tighter, how will, where will people stand, where will, you know, um, a- anything that, that is a little bit quirky, that you can fit into it without it costing a ridiculous amount of money. Mm. And, of course, acoustics, like I said. I noticed, I don't know whether you did, but um, and I couldn't understand it really. When you go to Sheffield United, the away end has like curtains underneath the roof, which deadens the sound. I remember we were, standing, we were sitting in the director's box. I said, we're very quiet today. <laughs> and it was because these curtains are. Now, that's ridiculous, isn't it? What you want is the opposite because you create an atmosphere by the away fans, really, don't you? Mm. The best atmospheres we have at the Kenny are when the away fans are, are noisy and, 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 and so I couldn't understand that. But So acoustics are, re- are really important. Mm. I think it started snowing that day, so I'm kind of glad there were them curtains above <laughs> us because uh, it's cold enough as it was without the snow coming in. Uh, <laughs> that is for sure. That's one thing that hopefully Power Court will have roofs that go right the way to the front because we've already been to two grounds where the roofs only go to about five or six rows from the front. And if you're one of those, you, particularly at Chelsea, because enough vomit down before that game as well. It was oh, it uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, I wouldn't mind if uh, a few could few could was spent on um, recreating them having uh, away fans having to walk through somebody's garden so they continue to, to hate it. Just put some washing up or something like that and, or employ an actor to just like... Well, I think that I mean, the go, plan at the moment, I've last seen, I mean, the river's going to be there mm. and I think we're going to bring the river out or you'll be able to see, not that the river's huge, but it's something, little things, little quirky things to add to it. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, there's still time. Let's finish this podcast off, then walk over with a couple of questions for you. First of all, 15 years or so that 2020 have been in control of our club. Obviously, that penalty at Wembley was a particular highlight. But what other sort of special memories can you sort of share with us uh, from the inside of 2020 in that time? You mean games-wise? Any, literally anything that kind of warmed your heart from that sort of Well, the JPT, without doubt. Because, you know, it was everything, wasn't it? It was Mick. Um, it was us. Uh, it was a great game. It was 42,000 or wherever it was. It was exactly what stadium. you said earlier about us being great underdogs as well. It was fantastic. I mean, for everything. And, and the fact we weren't allowed to defend it was a bit, a bit sad. Uh, that was that was one of my best ever, actually. Yeah, I agree. Um, I rather liked it when Mick managed us at, Sound- at Sunderland. Mm. Um, because Mick is, you know, Mick, it's his, it's his, his club really. Even though he's, he, but it's his second club, and you know, his, his sister's got a box there and all sorts of stuff. And but when he managed us to that game up there, when 
after Nathan left, I think was a bit special. Mm. I was a bit worried that day because obviously Nathan had been so successful. And we were, it was only our first season in League One. Yeah. It's a long way to go if it had all gone Pete Tong. And I, I didn't go up there thinking, oh, no, we're going to lose now because Nathan's gone because I still had belief in the same players. But you just didn't know because Sunderland were a big side for that level as well. Yeah. But then before the game, because the players, they warm up at the other end of the away end at Sunderland, don't they, is that kind of intimidating thing. Then they all came over. I think Sheehan was captain at the time, marched them all over, clapped the Luton fans, and I thought, yeah, no, everything's fine. We're going to be fine from here on in. And it was just that that weird feeling that where I went to Sunderland with all those doubts in my head, hadn't even seen a ball kicked. No, we're going to be fine for the rest of this season. It's not... It's not a problem. Yeah. Um, then, because it goes both ways, bad memories uh, was without doubt York in the mm. in the playoff final. Yeah, uh, even more so when we saw the replays afterwards and the, the offside goal. <laughs> yeah. Did that hurt you more than the Wimbledon one? Yeah, much more. I, I've seen pictures of myself. I mean, I don't think I've ever looked in such despair. Gary and I together. I mean, it was just awful. And then afterwards, when you well, we, after, we did realise at the time that it was offside, but afterwards you'd realise how offside it was. Yeah, yeah. I had people uh, texting me, "You won't believe how far offside that was." And, and, you, like, and you know, really... we weren't particularly close to York. No, indeed. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> still aren't. To <laughs> be fair, that. no, but you know what I mean in that way. <laughs> um, so that that was a bad memory, really bad memory. I spoke. But, I, I spoke to Gary actually in the um, in the bowels of Wembley after that game and said, well, "What does this mean?" for the club going forward and he, he just sort of said well we're probably going to have to find a million quid to, <laughs> to carry on yeah yeah it's, it's which, was, which was true yeah it was probably two million yeah but uh, no the Wimbledon one wasn't quite the same because people had a bit of sympathy for Wimbledon yeah uh, and it was it was odd I mean we it was the it was um, what was it Jason Walker that we were all cross with mm. wasn't it yeah um uh, but uh, no, I don't think it was as bad. And then, of course, the uh, last year's playoff final was just something else, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But, but in a way, the Sunderland games, both Sunderland games, were fantastic, weren't they? they both were times fantastic. we've lost in the playoffs in the league, the Blackpool one and the Huddersfield one. Yeah. I kind of think they done us a favour because it gave us uh, motivation from the season before. But actually, we started that following season in a much better place than we were in those playoff games. Obviously, James Collins came in after the Blackpool yeah. to get us promoted. And then obviously, Carlton Morris came in after the Huddersfield one to get us yeah. promoted. So I, I'm, I don't, I'm not really religious or anything, and I don't necessarily think things happen for a reason, but maybe those two defeats did happen for a reason. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. Uh, I, I, I it would have been think... nice to have 100 million quid season, <laughs> yeah, no. season earlier, wouldn't yeah. it? People always, you know, we always uh, uh, obviously complained about being in the champ in the in the conference, but rather like you're saying there, in fact, it did us huge amount of good. Um, I mean, it it took a while for the crowd to turn, didn't it? I mean, John Still and who was it? She's wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Ronnie Henry wasn't it? Oh, Ronnie, yeah. it was yeah. Ronnie, of course. Um, started to turn, but those five years put our feet on the ground and everybody's everybody then came to the same base didn't they uh and expectations were not so great 
uh, and and everybody's pulled together since then, which, which I think is rather like you're saying about you know losses. I think it it helps, particularly when you're underdogs. It helps you to have that little bit of extra oomph, which is from the I suppose it's not failure, is it? I mean, in some ways, I mean, we enjoyed the conference because some lovely people down there, which is not so much true. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it's a little bit more cutthroat in the Premier League. Yeah. The thing about, well, I can't say much about the Premier League because we've only had one, two games away. But but in the Championship, it was, you, you realise how different you are. You know, you realise that you're a fan, you know, they're your fans, you're a fan, and you're going into a boardroom in a club where probably the owner's not there. Um, probably the chairman's not wanting to talk to you, you know, and it, it, it's, it's different mm. and it's, it's slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be many uh, Premier League chairman uh, owners that are just going to rock up to a pub on a away game with the Luton fan, with their own fans <laughs> and just sort of stand there and have a drink and a, a chat. It's, it's a nice touch that. that or, or buy me a beer in Germany, <laughs> like Wilco, Wilco did before, um, that second Bochum game, absolutely. Well, it's, I don't know. It, 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 it's a different world, and you just you just you adapt to it, don't you? And you you can't be too critical of it because what it's going to give do for the club and the town. I mean, it's great yeah. for us. Well, life changing is what Gary said. Really, absolutely, and, absolutely, and, and it is. We have to live with it and, and take the rough with the smooth. And just to finish off, then, uh, Wilco, obviously we're on the Luton Town Supports Trust podcast. Just how important over the last 20 years have the trust been and how important will we be, hopefully, in the next 20 years and beyond? Well, obviously very. I mean, it's it, apart from now, it, it's, it's obligatory, isn't it, to be close to your supporters groups, um, and to, particularly in the Premier League, um, you know, with the fan-led review and all those things. It, the connection's really important, but but without you guys, I mean, it was really you guys that made it happen in the first place, wasn't it? Because Gary sort of helped put you all together, and you backed him, and he's made it happen um, with you know with our support and help, and so it it it, it it's it's one thing; you, it all goes together. It's. And those that aren't members of the trust, in a way, are all still part of it too, if they're a fan of the club. Um, and I, I, it was, I liked the. Uh, I mean, we were talking the other day about bringing in all the foreign uh, supporters club clubs, which I think are on your list, aren't they? And I couldn't believe there were so many of them. But I think that's really that's the great thing is bringing everyone together. There's a danger in the Premier League of a of a, 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 a losing connection a bit if you're not careful because, you know, you don't want to become a, a club that just sells tickets through and is a travel agent <laughs> or whatever, you know, and, and I think that connection is, is vital. And as far as I'm concerned, if I'm around, anything I can do about it, then that, that's the, one of the most important things of all. And because, of course- because you're always there. Players move on, managers move on, we all move on. Because we're, you know, getting old a bit. Um, <laughs> but you're always the fans, always there. It's the fan that supports the club. So that's- and of course, the club gave uh, the trust uh, access to the image rights for the to ensure yes. that we are uh, in control of those things to make sure that 
all of this thing that we've seen around the world of different colours or different crests or different names or everything else that's been threatened cannot happen to our clubs. So from that point of view, we'll always maintain that and we'll always be here for Luton supporters and always right behind you guys because without 2020, football wouldn't be existing in Luton, let alone Premier League football. So um, myself and James, we thank yourself as you're here in front of us, but everyone on that 2020 board for everything that you've done. We're enjoying the Premier League yeah, okay, we'd enjoy it more if the boys on the pitch get a, get a few more results, but we're going to these places that we dream, we we literally didn't even dream of ten years ago because it was so far away. Yeah, but now it's a reality, and it's a reality because of you guys. So uh, on behalf of us, the trust, and Luton fans, whether they're members of the trust or not, thank you very much for everything that you've done for our club, and thank you for coming on our podcast today. We really appreciate it. You've been wonderful, and hopefully we can have you on again next season when you can tell us what the second season in the Premier League is like you, indeed you can yes <laughs> I will but thank you thank you for supporting us and uh, without you we're nothing so thank you and well, enjoy enjoy the, the rest of the season we, we certainly will do and uh, we'll keep on singing and obviously we'll represent you guys in the stands and we'll see you in some I'm no doubt sure pubs outside some away ends <laughs> yeah. as we go along uh, throughout the course of the season Wilco it's been an absolute pleasure thanks very much thank you thanks and thank you for watching or listening uh, if you do want to subscribe to our channel please do every time excellent episodes like this with Wilco and other members of uh, the club or um boardroom or anyone else that we can get on come along you'll get notified uh, when they drop but until then thanks very much uh, to the high town club for hosting us if you like our intro uh, thanks very much to sean grant and the wolfgang for um, providing us with that and to ed smith creative who's done all of our imagery and everything else thanks to everyone but most importantly thanks to wilco thanks to james for being here and thanks to for you to watch and listen and until next time come on you hatters You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul.